Hey, it's Nashua here. You're about to listen to an extended teaser to our latest episode on the amazing film, The Battle of Algiers. It features two guests, Liv Agar and Will Meneker. If you want to unlock the entire episode, please become a paid Patreon subscriber at Patreon forward slash Habibdi, please. To get into, you know, bombing civilians, I mean, like the important thing that happens here is like, you know, once the FLM has like or- organized themselves into like these compartmentalized cells and that they've like, you know, organized the community to the extent that like they've got, they've, you know, they've assassinated, they've, they've removed the weak links of like the criminal underworld that could be a liability to their organization and their ability to take action um, and you know, take military action against the French. I mean, this is, I mean, this is an, like an old strategy. I think it was Michael Collins coined it of like, I mean, like here he called like the strategy of killing informers and spies as like a putting out the eyes of the snake. And like that, he really like they realized like that they, before like you could, before they were going to go to war against like the British occupying forces, they had to, they killed all their, they killed all their informers and spies and they like, they, they sealed up any leak possible. And it's, it's nasty. Like it's terrible. But I mean, like this, like I said, this, this goes back to like this movie's very unsparing portrayal of like, this is what revolution really is. And if like you really want it and you think it's necessary, and even if you may be thrilled by it or have a certain glory in it, like, like this is, this is the reality of it. But like the important Mm -hmm. thing is like, once they get organized, they, they start just straight up assassinating cops. Like they just walk up to a guy, like take his gun, shoot him with it and then run away. They go into a police station, kill them, take all their guns, like go outside. And it's just this like, like in one day, they they shoot like something like a dozen police officers or guardsmen, and then so what happens? Well, then like this this at this point, it's still under like sort of a civilian authority. So the cops lock everything down. They set up the checkpoints. They quarantine the Arab quarters of the city. And what does it do? Nothing. I mean, the assassinations continue going on, and if it, it just it unites the Arab population even more against them, and crucially also riles up the French population even more, like it primes them for even more acts of violence and repression. But crucially, the police know what a losing battle this is that they're fighting, and they chafe against the what the limits of their civilian authority. So what happens when like they're you know you're sitting at your desk looking at the photos of twelve people who have just been assassinated? And what are you going to do about it? Well, what they do about it is they plant a bomb. Yeah. They, the they, like, they go in under cover of night, they build a bomb, and they plant it in a civilian area and blow it up with the sole intention of killing as many innocent people as possible. And again, this is very important if you're talking about these like this tit-for-tat cycle of atrocity. The first bomb that gets set off is planted and built by the police. And the, its, first, its victims are the, the people of the Kasba. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean... It- it also, the, the better way of articulating what I said before is that it shows the requirements of freedom for the Algerians, which is like, I think, and you can see this on Twitter. And I mean, Nashua, you mentioned like the anarchists podcast you listened to that was doing the both sides thing. Like people want freedom, but they don't want the potential moral consequences of attaining freedom, Yeah, which in many cases is messy. Yeah. And it's like a, you know, I can't believe it's not butter thing. You know, you want the, you want all of the parts of butter that are good and then you'd want none of the bad parts. It's very yeah. sort of postmodern pastiche, you know. And and you watch them pulling the bodies, right? Like you watch them pulling the bodies and like for any normal moral person, moral, like anybody who has a heart, you watch that. If you see your community get blown up and caspas are so compact, right? It's yeah, people it's- living on top of people. So you, you just imagine like seeing people pull bodies. That's a radicalizing moment for anybody, just like the guillotine moment that we talked about. And so you see the community, all that does is it's going to get blowback. 
And and the blowback, like what is the FLN response to the bombing and in, in their community? Well, then it's the very the very famously depicted uh, woman bomber scene. And I, take, I love this is the best form yeah, of I mean, girl is, bossism. Yeah. <laughs> this is the only girl bossism <laughs> I'll stand for. This whole se- this whole sequence and like the way it's edited, the music. Actually, by the way, I, I just take this point to mention that Ennio Morricone did the score for this movie, which is incredible. It's immaculate. It's like, they, like there's this like like compulsive like there's a drumming that sounds like the the hoof beats of like horses running at you. It's this kind of like this horrible momentum of history, like taking you taking taking on a life of its own. But in the scene where like these um these three women, um what they do, and it's it's very it's very clever. It's like it's a callback to the wedding scene, which showed a young bride preparing for her wedding day in front of a mirror. And then in the scene where they're preparing to carry out this bombing, these women are preparing themselves in front of a mirror, but they're like cutting off their hair. They're bleaching their hair. They're adopting a more like Western style of fashion and dress and like hairstyle to get through the security checkpoints. They like, they literally carry bombs through the security checkpoint. And one, like the slightly older woman who's like, you know, uh, like the, the two other women are like, they're, they're very young and attractive. And then there's a slightly older woman and they're like, Ooh, like maybe this might, this might not work. She might got, might not get through the checkpoint. And she just goes, no, I'll take my son. It'll be no problem. And she takes her like three or four year old boy with her, like holding her hand as she carries a bomb through a military checkpoint. And I just got to say, like, from, from like this, this whole like this whole sequence of them preparing to do it to them going to the checkpoints, to them actually planting the bombs and like setting the timers and planting the bombs is I mean, <laughs> I'm saying it semi ironically here, but it's movie magic. It is a brilliantly staged and like the the tension and and fucking like the the stress in the scene is incredible and but like it, it also is it, you know no matter how like you feel about watching it it, it does have this very queasy thing cuz this is depicting something that actually happened mm-hmm. like this is not just like a like a fictional thing like these three women and if you're looking for another movie as like a supplement to this one i would recommend um the barbet schroeder documentary terror's advocate about jacques verges the french um lawyer um, who was a sort of zealot figure to much of the left-wing terrorism of the 70s and 80s. Uh, he was like half French, half uh, Vietnamese um, lawyer who became like this like, you know, anti-colonial figure. Who, and he represented in court the three Al- Algerian women bombers mm-hmm. that, that this movie that was based on in this movie. And like they were all facing the death penalty. They were all facing the guillotine for this. And uh, he got them off or like they were eventually released. He said he never had a client. He, did, he never had a client executed. Mm. But no, he like he he meets with them in the movie. Like the real the real people are like the real women are in the in that documentary. Like he, they they're interviewed. Yeah, and he talks to them. And one of them is in this film. Well, not one of them, but an FLN woman who is really big for other um, resistance moments. Uh, Samia Kerbouche plays Fatiha, which was like really awesome. Like they they actually got like a few of the women were involved. But um, back to the bombing scene, the 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 famous like pan of but three of their faces and like the kind of. While this is all happening in real time in Alger, uh, when this was occurring, there were posters put up around Caspas in French that said, you'd be so pretty if you deveiled. And that's like part of this backdrop where the French had a whole campaign about deveiling. Right. And it was partially because they found it so backwards that women would wear like a chaymar, but like they also 
women could also maybe bomb them if they were doing that. So they, they, they flipped and challenged <laughs> yeah. the whole sexuality with like the, the French men clearly seem enamored with them and French men yeah. were enamored that's with how, Algerian that's how, they, that's how they get through the checkpoint. You know, yeah. like the, the two of them, they get through the checkpoint because they're like, oh, going to the beach today, sweetie. <laughs> All right. Hey, want to meet me <laughs> after like, work? Yeah. And she's like, oh, you, you know, and then like, yeah, like, but like they're carrying like these uh, like baskets that have a fucking time bomb in them. Like it's, yeah. It's re- it's really nerve wracking. Yeah, it's it's so stressful. And in the planting of the bombs, if we can talk about that, like the discotheque, the cafe, and then the station, mm-hmm. I, I was like on my I was on my nerves for them. Even though I know it's a movie, but like I just you feel it, like you feel it viscerally. You feel um, it flips the idea of like what Muslim women are capable of. I think, and in those moments, I, I think because whenever people talk to me, they're like, "Oh, you're so cool, and you're Muslim," and I'm like, "We've been cool." Like we've like we've been doing shit. Like Muslim yeah. women have been cool. Like I don't understand. Well, I think this is like an, an interesting point about um, movies like this or movies about war. And I, I think of another movie about about war in an American context. It's like you know Edward Zwick's Glory, which is about like the 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 Massachusetts Brigade of like of uh, uh, black men and freed slaves who uh, went on to fight in the Civil War. And people talk about that movie, and like it's always like oh like. Isn't this isn't this amazing that they were willing to die for their freedom? And that's only part of the equation. Like what that movie really shows or what it's really about is that they're willing to kill for it, too. And like like that's the thing, because it's like, oh, if you're willing to die for something like like, oh, who could you know, like how, how heroic, how noble. But like that's that's not what war is about. It's like what Patton says. No one won a war by dying for their country. You win the war by making the other poor son of a bitch die for theirs. Yeah. And like that's what's really important. It's just, oh, it's like, oh, they're so so noble that they're willing to die for the cause. And it's just like, well, I mean, they're willing to accept that that is very likely a consequence of this. But like more than anything, they're willing to kill for it. Yeah. And like that's the thing that like that that's when it gets into this like this this moral ambiguity of this like the, this good guys and bad guys vision of history that really comes up short if you want to seriously consider like. Like what, like the how history takes place, and like what what our position as someone removed from it, learning about it, or trying to judge it, you know, in retrospect, like like how 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 often that comes up, you know, desperately and adequately short. Yeah, and that makes me that reminds me, Will, you mentioned before about how the the older woman was like, yeah, no, it's okay, I'll just bring my son, you know, um, that they one of the reasons they were able to do these attacks in real life they were able to pull it off is because the the French just didn't think that they would do that, that they would be yeah. capable of doing that. <laughs> which reminds me of like uh Bien Den Phu, which is mentioned in the film actually, the the yeah. the historical battle where the Vietnamese uh beat the French um in the and and then the French had to leave essentially as a result of it. That like in that battle for instance, like the French didn't expect that the Vietnamese would literally like you know unscrew their artillery and then walk them across a mountain <laughs> and then and then reset them back up in a concealed location because the French like the French are fighting and ha- exists within an entirely different context than like the colonial subject who's willing to do far more for their freedom than the the you know the French soldier who's just like positioned there and is you know maybe doing you know is is signed up for the military is there for 3 years then wants to go back to the the metropole and like you know I see their family like it's a it's a far different context for the colonized subject who like the French leaving their country is such a an essential element of their lives. It it relates to the well-being of their family, their friend, their loved one, everyone they know. And they're you're willing to do far more, both in terms of like even like a moral action, but also in terms of creativity and even like I guess you could describe it as desperation that that what always happens with colonial administrations um, and occupations is that. 
the occupier does not expect what happens. And this is absolutely applied in context of like contemporary um, imperial and colonial occupations in like, let's say Afghanistan and Iraq, for instance. Um, that, you know, it's very ironic because, you know, the Americans watched the film as a good example of um, counterinsurgency and just didn't learn any of the any of the actual lessons about it that ex- that, that come from it. And in, in a certain sense, it's like they, they, they can't learn those lessons. This like Nietzschean eternal recurrence. They're forced to repeat the mistakes of the, the past imperial occupiers because, you know, the, the, the people they bring in, like in the Iraq war and the Iraq occupation, are, are, you know, they're, they're doing three years of service where they get their paycheck and then they go back home. Whereas like the person they're fighting against is everything is on the line for them with, um, with the imperial occupier. As my co-host Felix described it, it's like some guy making 18 grand a year so he can get a lease on a Dodge Charger. Yeah, he's really willing to die to fucking what police Baghdad. Are you kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me for like what of 10, 20, 30 years? Get the fuck out of here. Like, no, like there's no way to win. And that's what's so funny about the screening of this with the Pentagon is they're just like they they tell themselves that like, oh, like we can learn the lessons of history. And the lessons of history is like, I don't know, don't be an empire, um, don't occupy yeah. Someone's country. If they don't want you there and they're willing to kill you for it, there's not much you can do about that. I mean, it's like it's your fault for being there. And you have a uniform and a gun walking around someone else's fucking country. So don't be surprised when they, you know, start shooting back. Or like it's always this attitude of like, how could they do this? You know, how yeah. could you be so brutal? So how could you be so evil and ruthless? But at the same time, like the, you know, the American Colonel Matthews are watching this and they'll be like, ah, but like not only we're gonna be even more ruthless than Colonel Matthew, but we're also going to be even smarter than him. Like there's just one, one weird trick to win an <laughs> occupation against the population that um, doesn't see you as a fucking a friend or a liberator, but sees you as a fucking, you know, someone who's literally torturing their family members to death. It's like, no, there, there's no way out of this. There's, there's, there's no, there's no victory here. And like you, and you don't even like, you don't really even want it. Like yeah. you're just like, you're just, you're fulfilling your role. Like you're just carrying out like a, a job essentially. Please, I know.